you stand and join us as we proclaim pressing on to higher ground this morning. Why don't you sing with us this morning? I am pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I onward bound, Lord, plant my Good morning. Happy Father's Day to all of our dads that are here. We're glad that you're with us today in worship. We do want to welcome you. If you are a guest of ours, if you'll take one of the care cards that are located there in the pew rack, uh, we would love to have your information and send you something from Pitts. And just thank you for being with us. On the back of the care card for all of us is a place to put prayer requests. If you have a prayer need, please fill that in. We want to be praying for you as a church family. And as you leave today, all those cards can go in the boxes on the round tables uh, and we'll make sure they get to the right people. But thank you again uh, for being with us today in worship. Uh, we do have a praise. I want to announce our Alaska team that was there all last week, got back yesterday, and I was hearing them on the bus. 
uh, giving all kinds of little stories. I'm anxious to hear more of those, though, uh, as we uh, hear more about that. But thank you to those that went. I see some of you even here, and I want to encourage you today when we pray that you keep your eyes open <laughs> so you don't go to sleep. I see Miss Kathy and back there and some of y'all and Christy. But anyway, thank you for your efforts last week. I know you worked hard just hearing from James and Janet, the great job that you guys did, and how the pastor there is begging you guys to come back on a week when he doesn't have to share you with another group. And so we'll be looking at a trip, hopefully next summer, to do that again. I want to get on one of those, be able to go to Alaska, and hopefully we'll have some more trips going on that. A prayer request is our youth team of 25, uh, 19 students and 6 adults left this morning. About 9.05 they pulled out, and so they're at the airport now waiting for their flight to leave around 11.30. And so you be praying for them, uh, that God will just give them some awesome divine appointments. Sometimes we plan, we sort of overplan when we go on trips to be ready. But there's always these curveballs that come that God throws our way, and we like those because it's outside of what we've planned, and a lot of times those are God's divine appointments. So we want to pray for those, that God will send those, and that, that our, our group will have the courage uh, to open their mouths and share the gospel uh, and see people come to know Jesus. So that's our prayer. You pray with me over that this week, and hopefully you've got a card, and you can be praying for them. Ladies, you have an event called You Can Do It coming up. Uh, that, that date on that event is, I'm sorry, I put con the 14th, um, June 14th, and it, June, July 14th, sorry, we've already passed that if it was June 14th, July 14th, thank you, I put you on the spot, didn't I? Uh, those tickets are $5 each, and they're going to have classes like, uh, Cleaning Hacks Made Easy, there's going to be a self-defense class, there's going to be a class for tips on phone photography, uh, usually I just hand that to my kids and say, here. Um, you'll learn some of that. Uh, the freshmen, uh, refreshments are included that night, so you want to be a part of that. Those tickets will be available in the foyer as you leave, and they're just $5 for that. Do not forget about Vacation Bible School. That is coming up. It'll be here soon, July 25th through the 28th. And Garrett is helping with that and leading that. And she said, please ask folks to go and pre-register at pbcweb.org. That helps us to know our numbers and know how many classrooms, classrooms we need. So if you have children or grandchildren coming, please take a minute and go and pre-register. That would help us uh, considerably in planning uh, that exciting week. A lot going on. Please be involved in, in what's happening here during the week with church. But let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning as we open our service. God, we do thank you for today. And uh, it represents honoring our fathers. And God, we today and every Sunday want to honor you as our Heavenly Father. God, we thank you that you are the perfect example of what a father should be to us. And God, I pray that each dad in here would uh, look to pattern his life after what, it, what Jesus has done and seek your guidance and your wisdom, God, to be the dads and men that we need to be uh, that would, would honor and glorify your name, God. We do pray for our mission team, our youth team, as they are at the airport now and get ready to fly to Alaska, God, that you would use them in ways they don't even know about right now. But God, that they would have courage to <clears throat> go and open their mouths and uh, speak the gospel, live it, but speak it also, God, that you give them many opportunities to share what your son Jesus has done for each one of us. God, I pray if there are people in this room who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that maybe even today would be the day that they would open their hearts uh, to you to make that decision and to ask you to be their Lord and Savior. God, we pray for Pastor Scott as he brings the message this morning. 
God, just use his words <clears throat> to challenge each one of us and help us be different for being here today. God, thank you for all you do for us. Uh, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We love and appreciate our earthly fathers, but right now it's all about our heavenly father. Let's sing to him this morning.
morning and let me add my voice to others happy father's day is this on i believe it is okay very good uh good to see everybody today and uh i know it's father's day but we are going to continue our journey through the gospel of mark and uh, we are going to be applying a passage uh, to fathers as you will see in a moment but I want you to find Mark chapter 2 in your copy of the scripture Mark chapter 2 and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 12 and covering a topic entitled when religion raises the roof when religion raises the roof Uh, I want to invite you to find that passage, and when you do, if you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word, please. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Scripture says, And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Father, we thank you for this text of scripture. We see the action of these men who compassionately helped a friend of theirs in great need. And God, we pray that we would be men of compassion that way. But most importantly, the lesson in this passage is the authority of Jesus. Even to forgive sins. Lord, sometimes we see that our greatest need in life is something physical. As dads, we might perceive that our kids need something physical that they don't currently have. But Lord, may we see that their greatest need is their spiritual need. And Jesus is more than able to take care of these needs. 
We serve a God, as Paul said, who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. Lord, as dads, help us to be concerned chiefly about what matters most to you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. There's a seminary professor. He's deceased now. He died in his 40s of cancer. But he was an evangelism professor at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. He wrote a book entitled Concentric Circles of Concern. The professor was named Oscar Thompson. Oscar Thompson made a point in that book. He said, if you were to ask me what is the most important word in the English language, he said, I would have to say that the most important word would be the word relationships. Relationships. He said, some will tell him, no, it's not relationships, it's love. But as Dr. Thompson points out, love needs a relationship to be fleshed out in. Relationship is sort of like the train track that everything runs on. Folks, we have relationships all around us. And if we become loners in the faith, we've ceased to allow the character of God to flow in and out of us, through us and out to others. We've diminished what God wants uh, us to do as as far as reflecting His love to a lost and dying world. Now as an example of how important relationships are, just look at the family. The family is the first institution that God created and developed. And it's in a family that we learn about relationships, living in relationship with others. Here is where a person learns love. And learns what it means to reach out to others and live not just for yourself but for other people as well, meeting their needs. A baby is born into a home. The parents may not know the first thing about meeting the needs of that baby, but they learn. And that baby has to trust that his or her parents are going to to learn and take care of them and get it right. Every broken business, every broken home, every broken friendship is a broken relationship. When society ceases to treasure relationships, it becomes more and more decadent. And is that not what we're seeing today? I mean, we're more connected than ever on social media, but these oftentimes are not real friendships. I know one lady who has all kinds of friends on social media, but very few, if any, friends in real life. Is that really what God's intention is to be? I think not. As human history 
so painfully demonstrates bad relationships produce broken marriages and broken homes and unsuccessful businesses and divided churches and chaotic nations. Right relationships, on the other hand, go a long way in helping to produce solid marriages, stable homes, successful businesses, ministering uh, churches, and stronger nations. Now folks, the world doesn't always appreciate this fully. But in the church, we should. And in the church, we ought to be like a, a, a hospital that shows this, how God wants to work in relationships. Now, the message on this passage is going to be about caring relationships, getting wrapped up in the people around us, getting wrapped up in their needs and ministering to them. You know, the Bible says in Romans 12, 15 that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and we are to weep with those who weep. In Galatians 6, 2, the Bible says that we are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I want you to think about that. Bear one another's burdens. What does it mean to bear them? It means to shoulder the burdens of other people, to get caught up in their need, to minister to them, to care for them. And Paul says in the book of Galatians that in so doing, we will fulfill the law of Christ. And hopefully through that process, we'll even have the opportunity to introduce them to Jesus Christ. Today I want us to look at some men who are obviously concerned about relationships I'm impressed with these men they understand the importance of bringing a friend to Jesus they serve as a model for us they had a friend who had a desperate need and so what did they do they bring their friend to Jesus now you wouldn't think of this as being a typical Father's Day message But I hope time it's said and done, you'll see there's a lot of application here. Because here were men, probably fathers themselves, who reached out even beyond their own families with compassion needed to build strong communities. And who spared no effort in taking care of somebody and and bringing a friend to Jesus. As Christians... What do we believe fathers should be about the most? Fathers should want their kids, their whole family to know Christ, to be touched by Christ. But as fathers, do we go out of the way in any sense to make any type of the effort that these guys did? I mean, here were men who believed Jesus could do something to help their friend and they did something about it. They didn't just sit around talking about it. They were moved to action. They did something about it. I think this is a great message on showing what Christian men will sometimes do as an expression of their faith. Now as we begin in this passage, we see that Jesus is back in Capernaum. And three very significant events have already happened in Capernaum. Jesus has cast a demon out of a man 
in the synagogue. You can't get much more public than that. I'm sure that caused quite a stir. And then they went to Simon Peter's home and they found his mother sick and Jesus healed her. And finally in, uh, in verse 32 of chapter 1, we see that people were bringing all sorts of needs to Jesus. In fact, in verse 33 of chapter 1, Mark tells us that the whole city was gathered at the door. And Jesus healed a, 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 a leper there. By the way, I had a member of our congregation this morning tell me that her brother has been diagnosed with leprosy. <laughs> this thing is popping again. I don't know what is going on with this cord. But anyway... So Jesus has done all these wonderful miracles already in chapter 1. It's no, it's no wonder that time we get to chapter 2, we find that there's such a crowd at the door of this home that, that people cannot even get in. There's, there's not room for anybody else. The first thing I want you to see with me this morning, the men were confident that Jesus was the answer for human need. Folks, today for us to reach people with the gospel, we, we've got to know with all of our hearts that Jesus is the answer. Dads, we've got to have the confidence that Jesus is the number one need of our families, whether they always realize it or not. These were men who stepped out and they took the lead in what they did. Do we take the lead in even taking our families to Christ in prayer? Are we really convinced, I mean are we sold out and convinced that our families need Christ above all? Do we really believe that? We've got to have the confidence that Jesus can meet all the needs of our loved ones, our families, our, our friends. We've got to have the confidence that Jesus can save. These men had that kind of confidence. And look at what they did. Their actions showed something about their faith. To do what they did, they had to know that Jesus was the one who could do something to help. Had they not believed this, nothing would have changed. They did what they did because they had come to learn about Jesus. Here were men that we can assume they had experienced the life change that Jesus brought to them and they wanted their friend to know this as well. They're like other men that we meet in the New Testament who had experienced Christ. And they wanted others to experience Christ as well. I think of Andrew when John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Andrew began to follow Jesus. And what's one of the very first things that Andrew did? He went and told his brother Simon Peter about Jesus. And then Jesus calls Philip to follow him. And what did Philip do? He went to a friend of his by the name of Nathaniel. And Philip told Nathaniel about Christ. 
all sorts of men in the New Testament who had in some way experienced Jesus Christ in their own lives. They knew something about him, his ability to save, his ability to change and transform lives. And because they knew Christ through experience, they wanted others around them to also get in on what they knew. They wanted others to know Christ. These men had a friend. And again, they had confidence that Jesus could touch him and make him whole. And as a consequence, they acted on their faith. You know, in Hebrews 11, the Bible says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And if you read Hebrews chapter 11, it shows what people do when they have faith. It's not just lip service. There was Abraham who left the securities of his homeland and his father's house to go to a new place where God was going to build a new people through him. And there was Moses who though he was raised in Pharaoh's household chose instead to be identified with his own people, the Hebrews, and suffer right alongside of them. The chapter goes on and on to talk about how true, genuine faith makes people do what others are not willing to do. You know, I think we could add these four guys here to Hebrews chapter 11, the roll call of faith. Because what they did for their friend demonstrated their faith. It demonstrated how much they placed their trust in Jesus. Again, they didn't just sit around and talk about how nice it would be if their paralyzed friend could maybe someday get well and could maybe someday meet Jesus. They did something about it. Dads, what do you and I need to do about it to make sure that those around us encounter Jesus? Do we trust Him and do we care enough about those around us to do something about it? Dads, don't be like the dad I read about. Uh, It was the testimony of a little boy after he grew up. He said his dad would always drive him up to the doors of the church on Sunday. The dad had golf games with his buddies lined up on Sunday. He would take his son to the door of the church, drop his son off and say, Now son, get going, going into church. And the little boy would say, Dad, I want you to go to church. with." Oh no, no son, I've got other things to do today. And that little boy grew up wanting his dad to go to church with him. But all the dad would ever do was drop his son off I mean at least the dad did that but how much better would it have been had the dad gone with him dads we need to experience Christ and out of that experience we know that he's the one who can meet the needs of our families and our loved ones And then we need to do something about it. We need to introduce those around us to Christ. We need to care enough to put our faith in action and do something about the faith that we say that we have. And that's what these guys were doing. 
Second thing I want you to notice about these men. The men had to seize the moment. Jesus was back in town and soon he would be gone again. According to Matthew chapter 9, Capernaum came to be known as his city. It seems to be the place that sort of became the headquarters for Jesus' ministry in and around Galilee. Many of Jesus' miracles took place here at Capernaum. Later on, Jesus is going to uh, pronounce curses upon Capernaum because the people had seen Jesus do so much and yet they had failed to believe in him. Oh, they believed that he could do miracles. They became miracle chasers. But that's not the same as having saving faith. But for now, Jesus is back in Capernaum. He's in their midst. Word gets out that he was there. And so these men hurried. They got their friend. They brought him to Jesus. Folks, they seized the moment. And you and I have got to do that as well. We have to pray for those in our circles of influence and use every single opportunity that we have to reach them. Paul says in Ephesians 5 verse 16 that we need to redeem the time because Because the days are evil. Folks, we're living in evil days. We're engaged in spiritual warfare. And every moment that we have that we can seize a moment for the sake of the gospel, we need to do so. Dads, are you right now seizing the moments that you have? You know, there could come a day that your kids, you know, if I'm speaking to, to young fathers now, just if I may speak to young fathers a moment whose kids are little. When your kids get to be teenagers, you know, they might go through an eight or ten year period of time in their lives. They don't want dad's advice. Has anybody experienced that? You know, your teenagers, they, they don't want advice. They get in their early 20s, they don't want dad's advice. It's, it's nice to know that by age 24, 25, they sort of come back around. But what I'm saying is dads with young kids, seize the moments right now while you have these opportunities because there may be that period of time they don't cherish your advice. God gives you and I moments with with people we need to pray for moments with our kids and we need to seize those moments and you know you can't always plan out these moments you can plan some things but some of the most precious moments are unplanned moments and and you've just you've just got to be ready these men seize the moment they took this opportunity They knew Jesus was in town, and as quickly as he'd come into town, he might be leaving again. They wasted no time in seizing the moment. Don't you wonder how that conversation must have gone if they were sitting around talking about uh, all the the electricity in the air about Jesus being back in town and how exciting it was, and, and they had experienced Christ in some way, and then their attention got drawn to their friend, and one of them probably said, hey, Hey guys, let's get him and and run down there with him real quick. Take him to Jesus. Because we know Jesus can do something about it. They seize that moment. 
And then thirdly, I want you to see the men had to overcome hindrances. Look at verse 4. When they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they'd made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. They had to overcome all of these hindrances. First of all, there was the crowd. We're told that, that there were so many people gathered there, they couldn't even get in the front door. The crowd was actually preventing them from getting uh, this guy in front of Jesus. And that's actually one of the themes that we're going to run into in Mark's gospel. The crowds can sometimes be a hindrance. I mean, we look at a crowd and we're like, wow, this is great but in the gospel of Mark oftentimes the crowd is what prevents somebody from more easily getting to Jesus the crowds can be a hindrance but they overcame that when they couldn't get their friend inside what did they do they came up they came up with another solution you have to understand the homes at this time Oftentimes the homes were small, one-room houses. They might have two, two rooms to them, but there would be an outside staircase leading up to a flat roof. And the way they would build their roofs, there would be big beams laid across from one end to the other. And then they would take smaller limbs and then they would crisscross those larger uh, beams. And, and then they would take long stalks of whatever type of grass-like material they could get their hands on. Long stalks, they would lay that there. And then they would pack in mud and they would pack it in really tightly. It's said that oftentimes the flat roofs on these little uh, Palestinian homes would be up to two feet thick. And the reason they did the roof like that is because uh, the, the, the roof became an outside room. Families would go up there maybe to entertain a guest. You might go up there to pray. You might go up there to sleep on a cooler night. And so your roof was a very usable uh, piece of, of space it was a very valued room and so that helps make sense of how they dug through the roof they were digging through all of this earthen material to, to open up a hole. You wonder what the homeowner thought about this. But these guys were determined. They weren't letting the crowd get in the way in, in, in any sort whatsoever. Another hindrance might have been their schedule. They were, they were probably men who had many things going on in their lives. Maybe they needed to be working their fields. Most likely they were either farmers or fishermen. A lot of other things they could have been doing. And yet their friend took the priority. Their friend needed what only Jesus could do. Dads, there are things only Jesus can do for your family. And you and I need to remember that. You and I can only do so much. But it's Christ that they need. Is their spiritual well-being a priority for you? Even the roof was a hindrance. 
They dug through it. These men were unstoppable. When one avenue closed, they simply went another way. They were persistent. Sort of like Jesus said, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking, ask and keep on asking. That's how these men were. Dads, how persistent are you in taking your family to the throne of grace? Do you let things in your life get in the way? You see, you and I can take our loved ones to Jesus through prayer just like these men did. But do we let everything get in the way of that? A lot of people would have given up, but not these guys. Their determination matched up perfectly with what they thought about Jesus. And I want you to notice what Jesus did. He forgave the man. Now, what all happens next is the real reason that Mark included this story about Jesus. I've approached the story from four friends showing faith and not letting anything get in their way and taking a a paralytic friend to Jesus. But the real point in this story is Jesus authority. Mark has shown us so far that Jesus has authority over sickness even a helpless situation like leprosy. He has authority over demonic powers well now Mark wants us to see that Jesus even has the authority to forgive sins something only God can do. And Mark's going to show us how we can know that Jesus had the authority to forgive sin. Jesus looks at the faith of these men. He turns to the paralytic and he says your sins are forgiven you now here's a religious crowd present and they don't like what Jesus is saying at all they're sitting there thinking the the audacity of him he's blaspheming only God can forgive sins and they would be right in thinking that but what they're wrong in is that they didn't see that Jesus is God he's the son of the living God he has the same authority as God to give evidence that Jesus was able to forgive sins he he did a healing miracle on the spot he only did this to show them that he had the authority also to forgive the sin and so he turns to this paralytic and he says take up your mat and walk now if Jesus hadn't been the son of God if Jesus had no authority whatsoever to forgive sins what would have happened as Jesus said take up your mat and walk absolutely nothing would have happened but to prove that Jesus has the power to forgive sins what happened the man was healed on the spot who can do something like this only God. This is a case where the visible is giving evidence of the invisible. You can't see sins forgiven. That's a heavenly transaction. But you can see a guy get up and walk at Jesus' mere command. And that gave evidence that the sin had likewise been taken care of. So what does Mark want us to see? He wants us to see that Jesus is the Son of God and He has the power and the authority to deal with sin. The healing healing was a secondary issue. That was just icing on the cake. Now if you were the paralytic, that would have been nice icing on the cake. But that's the secondary issue. The real issue is the authority of Jesus to forgive sin. 
Jesus took care of both physical and spiritual needs. He took care uh, of the of the most important first. They thought that the physical need was the most important. But the Lord saw that here was a man dead in trespasses and sins. That was the problem that he dealt with first. And only when he dealt with that issue did he take care of the other, the physical. And what we see here, folks, is Jesus is Lord of both the physical and the spiritual. And dads, what we need to see is that the spiritual needs of our family are the greatest needs they have. It's also the greatest need you have. You know, we're not always good at discerning what our needs are, are we? We might think our need is a bigger house to accommodate a growing family. I don't want to diminish any of these needs. But you might see that you need a bigger house. You might would love to have a more important job and make more money. You see all these needs. Or, or you might see that your child, oh, if your child can only get on such and such team, that's going to increase their chances of getting a college scholarship. And so you pursue all of those needs. And in the meantime, you might be forgetting about the most pressing need they have. And that's their spiritual need. Your kids and my kids need to be right with Jesus. The greatest need anybody has in life is that their sins have separated them from God. The Bible says we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. If you die in your sin... Or your child dies in their sin. Sin that's never been forgiven in their life. They are going to be shoveled out into a Christless eternity. And you're going to be shoveled out into a Christless eternity. If you don't know Jesus. You want to see what a pressing need this is? Just read a story in Luke chapter 16. About a, a rich man and Lazarus who both die. And Lazarus goes to heaven. He goes into Abraham's bosom. The rich man is in hell. And in hell he is crying out for relief from his torment. And he's saying, Lord, if I can't be saved from this situation I'm in, at least send somebody to go to my brother's, my father's household that nobody else in my family would have to come to this place. Getting right with God, being reconciled to a holy God is the greatest need you have and the greatest need that I have and the greatest need of our kids. And as dads, sometimes in trying to take care of our families, which is noble, we're good at being providers. We're, we're, we're good at trying to be a shepherd over everything they need in their lives physically. But sometimes in the course of doing all of that, we forget about what the chief needs are of our family. And that is to be forgiven and to be right with God and to be reconciled to a holy God.
So dads, how much time do we spend dealing with that? How much time do we spend on our knees praying for our families? How much time do we take seizing the opportunities to try to take care of the spiritual needs? It amazes us sometimes. We'll see parents putting church way down on the list of priorities as though church doesn't even matter while they're chasing all kinds of other things for the sake of their kids and they're missing the most important thing. Dads, you may not always feel like driving your kids to church on Wednesday night to Awana. But you know what? Through learning the Bible, the way your kids are going to learn the Bible in Awana, hopefully they'll be saved. They'll grow in Christ. You may not always feel like driving your kids to youth group on Wednesday nights. But you know what? Your kid might hear something that is forever going to change the direction of their life. We need to prioritize the spiritual moments that we have with our loved ones. Don't underestimate that that's got to be first. And you know what? As Jesus said, if we'll seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, He'll he'll see to it that everything else will fall in its proper place but dads we need to make sure that we and our families are seeking first Christ in his kingdom it deserves our best it deserves our priority these are kairos moments a kairos moment in the Bible is a special moment of opportunity It's not like chronos time, calendar time, the time on your watch. Kairos moments or kairos time is a special moment of opportunity that sometimes if you lose it, it never comes back around. Dads, don't lose kairos moments with your kids. You know, I think of... Harry Chapin's song, Cats in the Cradle. It topped the charts in 1974. It's about a father neglecting his son. It's based on a poem that Harry uh, Chapin's wife, Sandy, wrote to him. It was a rebuke to her husband for always being on the road with his music career and neglecting their son, Josh. She wrote this poem and he turned it into a song. And the lyrics in it go like this. I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see. I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I can find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle and the kids have the flu, but it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's been sure nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me he'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like Kairos moments, dads. Don't lose those moments. These guys in our story did not lose their Kairos moment. And you and I shouldn't either. 
It may be moments we'll never get back. Would you bow with me in prayer? As dads, ask God to help you appreciate the importance of relationships. Begin thinking about people in your circles whom you suspect need to know Christ. Family members, relatives, friends, neighbors, work associates, even acquaintances. And ask God to show you how to reach each one. Make your life available to reach them for Christ. Dads, begin praying for your children if you're not already. And ask God to begin engineering circumstances in their lives to draw them to faith in Christ. Dads, you probably have people in your life that helped you to find Jesus. Thank God for those people. And ask God to make you more like them. Realize that ministry can be inconvenient, it can be costly, it can involve lots of hindrances. Ministry and caring for others is rarely the easiest avenue to take. You need to overcome those hindrances. And I want you to know, dads, that ministry to your family is not in vain. All authority belongs to Christ. And he can change the lives of your kids. It's not in vain. Prioritize their spiritual health. Father, so many responsibilities are on the shoulders of dads today. And it's not my point to just try to heap on more responsibilities but what I want to say is are we chasing after the wrong things are we pursuing after what we think is a need and yet there's a greater need that we're leaving unmet Lord give us wisdom to discern what our true needs are and the true needs of our kids. God, I pray that we would build our schedules, build our efforts, build our time around that. And if we'll do that, you'll help us put everything else in its proper order. Lord, help us to put you first. I pray for that dad this morning who would need to confess to you, God, I've not done that, I'm sorry. Help me to begin anew. Help me to begin afresh. To prioritize your place in my own life and what your place in my family is to be. Lord, help me to lead out with my family and and worship opportunities and ministry opportunities. Help me to set the example. Lord, help me not to just bring my kids but to come with them. Lord, I pray for that dad this morning who doesn't know Christ. That you'd open his eyes today. 
to see that that's his greatest need to be forgiven of his sin that he would come to Christ before it's too late and Father put on our hearts too that we are to pray without ceasing we are to never give up I know parents who have prayed for their kids month after month, year after year. Lord, help them to never give up. We trust that you will work in your time. Lord, thank you again for the example of these men in the story. How much they cared. And how much they knew that Jesus was the answer for their friend. May we emulate their confidence, their faith. In Jesus' name we pray.